You know, a priest once told me, never simply just make the sign of the cross, always pray the sign of the cross, right? How often is it that we get in those habits of just kind of going through the motions, we forget that we're actually praying. The sign of the cross is a very simple, but yet very beautiful prayer. So, never simply, Evan, would you mind turning me down just a little bit? I feel like I'm yelling at you guys. Uh, that's, Father jo- that's Father Brian's job to yell at you, so uh, just kidding. Um, right, but never, never simply just make the sign of the cross. Always pray the sign of the cross. Uh, today, of course, is Holy Trinity Sunday, so we celebrate the solemnity of, of uh, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the deepest mystery of our faith. Right, the highest kind of theology that we have, Trinitarian theology. Between uh, Trinitarian theology and then, of course, Christology, God becoming man. These two are the deepest mysteries and the, the mysteries that we hold dearest to our hearts in the faith, in the Christian faith. You know, one of the things that's often said about these uh, mysteries, right, is we can't speak about them because they're mysteries, That's not completely true. Of course, there's a mystery to them. We can't plunge to the depths completely, uh, but hopefully today we try to do some of that. You know, there's a story about St. Augustine. Maybe you've heard this. I don't know really where this comes from, so it might be apocryphal. It might be made up. I don't know. Uh, But right, St. Augustine, there's a famous story where he's walking on the beach one day. And as he's walking on the beach, he sees this young little boy, and this little boy is digging a hole in the sand. And he's digging and digging, he he digs this big hole in the sand. That little boy takes a bucket and he runs to the ocean. And he takes the bucket and fills it with water and comes back and dumps it in that hole. He keeps going and making multiple trips, trying to uh, fill that hole. And St. Augustine finally asks, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? A little boy says, I want to fit the whole ocean inside this hole. St. Augustine goes, well, I don't think that's possible, right? I don't think you're going to fit the whole ocean. That whole entire ocean is much bigger and much greater than the size of that hole. This little boy supposedly looks up at St. Augustine and says, isn't this what you're trying to do with the Trinity? You see, St. Augustine had just written this great work, De Trinitate, on the Trinity, the greatest work probably of his life. On the mysteries of the Holy Trinity, he writes this. God appearing in this boy says, you, can, you can't fully encapsulate the mystery of the Trinity. But we can speak truths about it, about this great mystery. You know, if there's one thing that I want you to remember from tonight, it's this. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a communion of persons. That's it. So simple, but yet so complex and so dense. The Holy Trinity is a communion of persons. This is so important, brothers and sisters, because sometimes we get so focused on uh, that he's not, that maybe God is just out to get me. God is not, uh, we think this sometimes, God does not love me. How could God love me for my sins? How could God forgive me for these different things in my life? Most fundamentally, God has revealed himself as a God of love. 
And in that love, it's a love of three persons that make up the one true God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, one of the temptations in the church today is to react hard against, uh, against the, the culture, right? In the culture, there's a lot of immorality. The culture wants to say that there is no right and wrong. The culture wants to say that do whatever you want, do what makes you happy. It doesn't matter. And people in the church, some people in the church, I think, are overreacting to this. And so what they do is they say religion and the faith is all about morals. As long as you follow the morality of the church, then God will love you. As long as you follow what is right and avoid what is wrong, then God will love you. That's fundamentally false. Because at the heart of who God is, at the heart of the Trinity, of uh, three persons in communion of love, a communion of persons, God desires a relationship with you. God desires to be a part of your life. And because God loves you, because God chose you first, that's what we're called to respond to. That's why we live the commandments, because he loved us first, and we say, God, I love you too. Now what am I supposed to do? And he says, follow me, and follow my commandments. Our first reading today, taken from Exodus 34. Two chapters before this, is the famous story of the golden calf. The Israelites, they're just freed out of of slavery in Egypt. And they see the magnificent magnificent works of the Lord uh, walking through dry shod on the Red Sea. And about 30 days later, they get to the base of Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, that place of theophany, that great uh, appearance of the Lord, showing who he is, showing his glory. Moses uh, takes two stone tablets, he walks them to the top of the mountain. And as he's up there, God reveals himself. And in the, with his finger, right, God carves on those two tablets the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, the Ten Laws. For 40 days and 40 nights, Moses is up there. And the Israelites below, they get discouraged. God, where are you? This man, Moses, he, who, who set us free from slavery, he's gone. Who are we supposed to follow? What are we supposed to do? And so our temptation, oftentimes, brothers and sisters, just like the Israelites, is to turn back to those old habits for comfort. And they create that golden calf. And Moses, out of frustration, he comes down the mountain and he hears revelry. He hears and sees them worshiping this golden calf. An image of gold, of, a, of an animal that eats grass. Something that is finite. Something that is dead. Not a living God who loves, uh, who loves them above all things. Moses comes down and he shatters those tablets out of frustration. Later on, God commands Moses to go back up the mountain with two new stone tablets. And as Moses is interceding for the people, this is how the Lord responds. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger and abounding in mercy and faithfulness, keeping merciful love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. The Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy, a God of love, who's gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness. Brothers and sisters, this is who the Lord is. Our faith is not about uh, moralism. Our faith is not about uh, just following what is right and wrong. Our faith fundamentally is about a triune God, a trinity of love, of communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that, who have a relationship with each other so that God can also have a relationship with you. He loves you. He's slow to anger. There's nothing that you can do to separate the love of God from yourself. This, of course, is such great news. You know, one of the things that I always find interesting about sports, uh, I'm sure you see it on TV as well, right? But John 3.16 kind of becomes like the verse for all sports. I wonder how the Nuggets are doing right now, right? Um, but right, you, you go to these stadiums, you see on TV, and people are holding up these big signs that say John 3.16. Tim Tebow, when he was quarterback, he used to put the eyeshadow under his eyes, and it would say John 3.16. John 3.16, the famous verse in the gospel that we hear today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how much God loves us. That he would give everything to save us so that we who believe in him might not perish, but have eternal life. A communion of persons of God of love. You know, one of the things that um, Protestants will often ask uh, other people is, uh, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you've been asked that before. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ do you know the Lord, your Savior? Have you accepted him in your heart? And do you have a personal relationship with the Lord? I hope all of us can answer yes to that. I hope all of you, I hope all of us have a personal relationship with the Lord that's intimate, that's real. I heard a priest, though, once who was asked this, a very learned, a very studied priest. When he was asked, do you have a personal relationship with the Lord, he kind of paused for a moment and he said, Unfortunately, yes, I do. And then he went on to explain why. He said, because relationship, the root of that, relatus, latus, in Latin means side. He said, I don't want to have a relationship with the Lord. That means I come from his side. I walk side by side with him. That's not what I want. I want to be completely united with the Lord, a relationship of union. This is the Trinity. It's not a relationship uh, where they're walking next to each other. It's a relationship where they're intimately bonded to one another. The Greek word for this, you've probably heard me or Father Brian preach about this. The Greek word for this is perichoresis, which literally means a mutual indwelling. That the Father dwells in the Son, the Son in the Father, uh, the Father in the Holy Spirit. You can't separate the love of the triune God. They're intimately together. They dwell mutually within each other. 
The image for this, of course, is the family. Families are meant to dwell within each other, especially a married couple who's been married for a long time. You can't identify one without the other. Married couples get this. They don't just want a relationship where they're walking side by side. They want to be completely united with each other. The two become one flesh. They dwell within each other. This is the Trinity. A union where they dwell within each other. But God loves you so much that he also wants you to dwell in him. And he also wants to dwell in you. We also need to be in a perichoresis, in a perichoretic relationship with God. The Trinity as a communion of persons, that communion of love, brothers and sisters, God invites us into that relationship. Certainly we receive the body and blood of Jesus today, but since you can't separate the triune God, when you receive Jesus today, you're also receiving the Father and the Holy Spirit. In a few moments here, we'll pray the creed, the great uh, belief that we all have in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I invite you not to just say it, but I invite you to really pray it. And chew on the words, what are you praying in that prayer? It's our belief in the Holy Trinity, that mystery that we hold most dear to us. So Jesus, as we turn to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternal God, as we turn to you, we ask that we might be taken up into your love. That you who are a communion of persons, we might become intimately a part of that as well. That we might share in your divine life. And we ask that the Holy Trinity might come in our souls in a powerful way today and transform us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for sending your son into the world to die for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.